Welcome to the Authentic Church Podcast with Jeff and Fawn Peterson in Orange County, California, where our mission is simply to love God, love people, and live authentic. For more information on Authentic Church, visit us online at AuthenticOC.com. Thank you for listening. We are going to continue in our worship today, as just as we came in and we got to pray and lift hands and worship God, uh, our giving is an act of worship. And so we're going to continue that. Um, I want to go through some scripture here, and then my wife's going to give a, a testimony here about God's goodness and his faithfulness. Um, you know, just as we, we worship, God created in every heart to be a worshiper. And with the universe, when he created the universe, he also created some laws. And in that law, one of them is the law of seed time and harvest, that as we sow, we will reap a harvest. And what we sow we will reap a harvest bigger than what we sown. And he gives us plenty of scripture to um, validate that. So I'm going to read one. This is 2 Corinthians 9, uh, 6 through 8. And it says, Whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. And whoever sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. Each one must give as he has decided in his heart, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. And God is able, God is able to make all grace abound to you so that having all sufficiency and in all things at all times, you may abound in every good work. So, and so, excuse me. So, so today we wanted to share just a little bit about tithes and offerings and generosity. And how many of you know that God doesn't need your money? Do you really know that? He does not need your money. He owns cattle on a thousand hills, which means he doesn't need our money. So then why does he ask us to tithe? Why does he ask us to be generous? It's always going to come back to something he wants to do in us. Something he wants to reveal about his character to you. And tithing, I believe, is one of the first ways that he begins to show us his character. Show us his goodness. Not because he needs our money. He doesn't need our money, but he wants our hearts. And how many of us know that sometimes it can be a little insecure when we don't know how much is in that checkbook, how much money we have. Are we going to be okay? Are we going to struggle? Are we going to have enough? And the truth is God really is after our hearts, and he starts with our pocketbook. (laughs) And when we can understand that, then we step into a whole new relationship with God. And my husband and I have been on a journey of generosity and tithing and giving our whole marriage. And really the way that God kind of came at us was like, okay, I'm going to ask you to move. Geographically, move. So we lived in Springfield, Missouri, and the Lord called us to move to Ventura, California. And so moving costs a lot of money. And it's always good to have a job to make money. But we didn't have either. So we, we heard the word of the Lord, and we moved from Springfield, Missouri, to Ventura, California, where we met Jeff and Fawn. How many know you can't pay enough for friends? Like, it doesn't matter how much money you have. If you have friends, you're rich. So we said, okay, God, we're going to go. We quit our jobs. On the way, God gives my husband a job. He's a teacher and a coach. And we're like, oh, thank you, God. Because how the world are we going to pay rent in Ventura, California? You know, from Springfield, Missouri, our rent was like $800. You're like, whoo, that's so great. Then we're there six years, and the Lord says, I'm calling you back to Springfield, Missouri. We're like, great. Really? Okay. So quit our jobs. And no job, no job, no job. And we keep tithing. I'm telling you, we keep tithing. We keep living generously. We keep giving, trusting that God's seed time and harvest is true. What you plant in the ground, you'll reap that. And he said, obey me, obey me. He only wants our obedience. So we said, okay, God, we'll go back to Springfield, Missouri. So we quit our jobs. And again, no job until on our way, we get a job. Like, God, you're so good. Thank you, because now we can pay the bills. That's great. And so we're in Springfield, Missouri, and our dearest friends say, hey, guess what? We're planting a church in Irvine, California. We're like, good for you. That's great. You should do that. 
alone, <laughs> not with us. You know, we, we had been there just a couple months, and um, of course, you know the story, COVID hit. And the Lord really grabbed a hold of our hearts, and he's like, what are you doing? Would you be willing to go again? And we're like, well, God, we know you're faithful. We know you'll provide. This is what tithing is about. Do you trust the character of God? That he's good, he's generous. You won't lack anything when you trust him. So we say, okay, Lord, this is insane. We've only been here 10 months. We sell everything. We throw everything in the U-Haul. We move across the country again to come and be obedient to the Lord. And month after month after month, we pray for a job. This time it doesn't happen. This time, one whole year goes by and my husband does not get a full-time teaching job. But can I tell you, the goodness of God isn't measured by numbers of math that we know. And month after month, we never lacked a thing. God's equation is 2 plus 2 equals 10. We don't understand that until we step out of our comfort zone and say, God, whatever you called us to do, you're going to provide for that. And so we want to encourage you because when we moved here, God said, I'll be faithful. So many promises he gave us. And he has the same promises for you. He's not a respecter of persons. And we were given gifts every month enough to pay the bills. $1,000 check through unexpected places. I would get asked to do a conference. Unexpected amount of blessing. Every need we have, we lack no good thing in him. He starts with our money so that we can know we can trust him in our marriage. We could trust him with our kids. We could trust him with the future. And when we put that money out before the Lord, we say, God, everything belongs to you. But your word says what we plant, we're going to reap. You plant a watermelon, you get a watermelon. You plant an apple, you're going to get an apple. You plant your money in the house of the Lord. He is going to take care of you. So we wait on God, we pray for God, and the testimony that we have is that we didn't lack a thing. I didn't even keep the budget, guys, and if you knew me, I calculate every dollar. So for one year, I'm like, Lord, this budget ain't working. Like, anything you want me to do, just tell me. Anything he told us to do, and we did it. Last week, my husband got a teaching job. Yay! <laughs> and so... We, we testify to God's, we're going to feel so rich. We're going to be like, oh my gosh, we've got so much money. What are we going to do? But we just wanted to encourage you that God is after our hearts with our finances. And when you can honestly say in him, I will lack no good thing. And then you honor him with whatever he asks you to do. You are going to be blown away. God doesn't work from our sufficiency. We didn't have any money. Truth be told, the bank account went to zero, but he's sufficient. And he said, now my sufficiency steps into your lack because in me you lack no good thing. And so we want to encourage you today. Ask the Lord, what do you want me to do with your money, with my life, with my marriage, with my kids? Because it's all about him wanting to reveal his goodness to us. So we just honor God. We praise God and we're excited to be a part of this church to build this church with you, and let's see what God's going to do. And if you look on the board, there are multiple ways that you can give. Um, you can go to AuthenticOC.com. You can text uh, AuthenticOC to 77977, or you can do it the old-fashioned way on each of your guys' uh, um, pulpits, or not pulpits, the pews, the pews. <laughs> There is a, an, an envelope, and if you fill it out, in the, yes, she's got it up there, nice and tall. If you um, put it in right on the back as you leave, there's, uh, we don't do the buckets, but there's boxes that you can drop that in, and it'll be. So I'm going to pray for us. Um, Lord Jesus, thank you for this time. Thank you for this time of worship, Lord. God, thank you, God, that this is the same, just as raising our hands and calling out to you. It's the same worship. Thank you, God, that just as we come in and we, we shout to joy, God, it's the same worship. God, thank you, God, that as we, we sow, God, God, that we are sowing into your kingdom, Lord Jesus, God, and you're going to sow into our hearts, God, so much more. Lord, thank you, God, that we will reap a harvest, God. 
that we will reap a harvest, God, of love, of joy, and of peace, Lord. Thank you, God, that as we give, God, everything we do, God, is not out of compulsion, but it is an act of obedience to you, Lord. Thank you, God, that you are going to bless us. God, I just pray that your fire comes into this room, Lord Jesus, and fills this place with your spirit. God, I pray for this message that it be anointed, Lord Jesus. God, put your hand on it. I thank you for all that you do. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Awesome. Well, if your faith has never been tested, I don't know if you really have faith. You know what I mean? There's times where you walk through and you're like, Lord, I think you got me. And he's, got, I, he's like, I got you. And you're like, Lord, I think you got me. And he's like, I got you. It's like, Lord, I, do you have me? I, I got you. I got you. It's like my, my sons, we, I took them one time cliff jumping. Anybody ever been cliff jumping before? It's, it, I, we love doing it. I grew up in Washington, and we'd go into eastern Washington in the summertime, and it'd be hot, be like 100 degrees, and, and the water's ice cold, like ice cold. And we'd go cliff jumping. You'd find a highest spot that you could jump off of. And I remember uh, years ago, I took my boys, and we went up to these springs up, up in the hills above Malibu, and uh, we, we took them cliff jumping. You know, you're, you're kind of afraid the first time you do it. And then after, after you do it a few times, you're like, yeah, I can move my family across country uh, for what God called me to do. And it's like that one big step of faith. Then like years from now, it's like that, I passed that. You know, like I, that's not that big of a deal to me anymore. And that's just kind of the, the nature of God. He just wants to take us and grow us. And as he does, like Nicole said, he's working things out of you, right? He's working things out of us. And our faith begins to grow. Amen. All right. Well, we're going to jump in uh, to the scriptures today. Because uh, I know you came to hear God speak. You didn't come to hear man speak. So anytime you want to hear God's voice, just open the Bible, read it aloud. You just heard God speak, all right? So the word of God, it's alive, it's living, it's active. It applies to our life today. It's not some just ancient book that we sit on the coffee table to keep the boogeyman away, okay? It is a book that we open, we read, we read it, we read it aloud, and we, we ask God to reveal himself through the scriptures to us. Speak to me today for what's going on in my life, for my marriage, my family, my job, my living situation, and as we come with that heart that's expectant, it's amazing how God shows up and begins to meet with us. So we're going to jump into a, a story in the Bible that might be familiar to some of you, might be new to some of us as well. Uh, Luke chapter 18, and I'm going to be reading out of the ESV version, uh, Luke chapter 18, and uh, we're, going to, we're going to pick this up. This is a, a great uh, a story of what happened. Uh, this is a situation, that, uh, an encounter that a man had with Jesus. And this encounter, it's beautiful, it's eye-opening, it speaks to us today, and in some respects it's actually kind of like sad, and I think we could maybe all relate in some way, shape, or form to what we're going to read today. So Luke chapter 18, if you have your Bibles, you can turn to it there. If you, uh, if you don't have a Bible, we have a big one on the screen over here. Um, if you're following along in new version and you want to get the exact words that I'm using, the exact phrases, it's the ESV version of the Bible. Everybody in Luke chapter 18, say amen. And if you're not, say hold up. All right, I'm waiting. I'll give you two seconds. You're good. Luke chapter 18. If you're new to the Bible and you open it, just keep turning to the right. And eventually you'll come, towards the end of it, you'll come to the book of Luke. I had one guy, I was uh, doing a Bible study last, last year when we moved here to plant a church, we started meeting people and they would get saved and then we'd say, hey, come over to our house, let's do a meal together and we'd sit around and we'd teach them some stuff about the Bible or I'd text them a link, hey, go buy a Bible, here's one that would be good, blah, blah, blah. And so we're sitting around in my living room and I said, all right, we're gonna turn to the book of Luke and one guy was like, all I got was this Bible that you told me to get, is there another book I'm supposed to, I was supposed to buy, pastor? And I'm like, oh, the book, so Luke, Okay, let me start with the Bible, <laughs> you know. And so we had that conversation. The Bible is a collection of a bunch of books. This is one of the books that's in the Bible, the book of Luke, uh, who was a man that uh, put together, he categorized everything. He was a physician, and he put together a list of all these incredible things uh, that Jesus did. So we're going to jump in in verse 18. Hopefully I gave you enough time to get there. Luke chapter 18, verse 18. And a ruler asked him, came to Jesus, said, Good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life. And Jesus said to him, why do you call me good? No one is good except God alone. You know the commandments. Do not commit adultery, do not murder, do not steal, do not bear false witness, honor your father and mother. And the young ruler says, all these I've kept from my youth. 
which is doubtful, but he said it anyway. And Jesus heard this. He said to him, ah, one thing you still lack. Sell all that you have and distribute it to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven. And come and follow me. But when he heard these things, he became very sad, for he was extremely rich. Jesus, seeing that he had become sad, said how difficult it is for those who have wealth to enter the kingdom of God. For it's easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich person to enter the kingdom of God. Jesus is saying this in front of everybody, by the way. Those who heard it said, then who can be saved? But he said, what is impossible with man is possible with God. Peter speaks up and he says what's on all of our minds. That's one of the things I love about Peter. He says the question that you want to ask, but you don't want to ask it, so you're waiting for somebody else. He's, he's the one who asks it, right? So that's Peter. Peter says, Jesus, we've left our homes to follow you. What the heck, man? What do we, you know, what's going on? And Jesus says, calm down, Peter. Truly, I say to you, there's no one who's left house or wife or brothers or parents or children for the sake of the kingdom of God who will not receive many times more than this and in the age to come, eternal life. So this is the infamous story about the rich young ruler. Uh, it's part of the story. It's, it's told in, in the synoptic gospel. So in the gospels, the gospel is the good news. So the first four books of the New Testament, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and then John, those are the gospels. The first three books are called the synoptic gospels. Um, and the gospel of Matthew... Matthew writes that, and it's very similar to the Gospel of Mark, which is similar to the Gospel of Luke. They're telling a lot of the same stories. It's, that's where synoptic comes into play. And then the book of John, John just kind of goes off on his own about how much he loves Jesus. And so the book of John carries some different uh, stories in it that you wouldn't find. Uh, it's one of the, uh, actually, it's the only gospel that doesn't have any parables in it, uh, but he's sharing a lot about the life of Christ. But Matthew, Mark, and Luke, they're synoptic, meaning they're telling basically the same things. They're saying the same things, recording the same things, um, and so they're synoptic. 90% of Mark's content, actually, he stole from Matthew. 90% of it's found in the book of Matthew, and then 50% of Mark appears in Luke. So, um, so here we are with the story of the rich young ruler. So the man's described as a ruler, so he was a prince or a magistrate of sort. Um, he was not a Roman ruler, as some think, because a Roman person would never be saying master, teacher. They, would, they, they looked down upon the Jews. So if he was Roman, he never would have said that. So he was, he was a, a Jewish man, a, most likely somebody that was a ruler or a person of authority, a little bit of nobility, so to speak, nepotism at its finest. Um, so he would have received probably a chunk of inheritance and also made some money for himself, and he was a young man. And so he comes and he says, teacher, what must I do? And so Jesus goes through a few of these things, highlighting a few of the, uh, the big ten, the Ten Commandments, and he says, well, do this, this, and this, and the man says, Teacher, I've done everything. I'm good. And Jesus goes, oh, wait, <laughs> there's more. <laughs> there's one thing. There's one thing still. And, it's, it, and the reality was Jesus is kind of like, he's being kind to the guy. Because it wasn't just one thing, I'm sure. There wasn't just one thing. There was probably a thousand and one things, right? But Jesus says there's one thing, and he's going to put his finger on it to this young man. And he goes, hmm, tell you what, sell everything you have and distribute it. Not just go give it, just cash out and then live off that money. No, no, actually take all that and distribute it yourself. You're going to go, you're going to give some to this person and that person and these people and those. You're going to distribute all the money and then you're going to come and follow me. And the man doesn't do it. Jesus put his finger on the one thing that was in his life that was keeping him from following Christ. And if you think about it, this story, he would have been the 13th disciple. He, he received that invitation in front of everybody. Jesus said, come follow me. And come follow me was some of the sweetest words that you could ever hear. Come follow me. When, when, a, when a rabbi would say that to a young man, he was saying, not only do I think you can learn what I'm going to teach you, I think you'll actually be able to do what I can do. 
Come and follow me. And the man couldn't do it. He stepped away. Why? Because Jesus brought up the one thing that he was still holding on to in his life. So I titled this message, The One Thing. The One Thing. And I just want to say this. Uh, It's not the stuff, okay? This isn't like the gospel versus rich people or wealth. That's not at all what it is. In fact, there's many scriptures in the Bible, if you go back through and you read, especially through Proverbs, that if you're faithful and diligent, God seems to bless that. And Jesus said, if, if you're faithful with little, I'll make you faithful over much. So it has nothing to do with the stuff, but it has everything to do with the stuff that's keeping him back from following Christ, right? It's the possessions that he possessed that now kind of possess him. So my question to us today What's possessing you? (laughs) What's the one thing in our lives that's keeping us back? And it's kind of like that thing. It's 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 the what's the one thing? You know, like you heard from Jason and Nicole this morning about how they just said, uh, "Fine, we're going to go. We're going to answer the call of God on our lives," and they left a great life, and they were going to look to have a house and all these cool things that they were doing in Springfield, misery, and and move to the promised land of Orange County, California, where it's so much cheaper to live. And, but that, that was the one thing. What's the one thing that God's asking you to do? What's, what's the one thing? You know, God, God didn't ask you to just live a safe life, you know? I love the exchange in the movie, The Chronicles of Narnia, or the book for you that read it. I was a little bit more of the movie watcher of that series. I didn't read the whole series. I watched the movies. But there's a really cool exchange that happens in The Chronicles of Narnia. And, and the humans are talking to the, the Mr. and Mrs. Beaver, right? And they're in their home. And the beavers are telling them about Aslan. And Aslan is, it represents Jesus in the movie. And so they're, they're telling, and, and they say, so he's a lion, and they said, uh, is he safe? And Beaver looks at him, he's like, safe? No, he, who told you he was safe? No, he's, he's not safe. But he's good, and he's the king. When you get saved, buckle up, my friend, and you fully surrender your life. I'm telling you, God will take you on the craziest adventures. But that's what makes a good life, right? I don't want to just live my life go to church on Sunday, take a few fun vacations. We did this, went here, Instagram. You know, I don't want to just like go through my life like that. I want to lay it all on the line, man, for him. I'm not talking about not being wise. I'm not talking about just making a foolish decision. And I'm talking, I mean, yes, still get wise counsel. Yes, yes, yes. But I'm talking about going all in for the things of God. Like what is that one thing? You know, next week we're going to be starting a new series called All In. And we're going to be looking at what people of faith, when they went all in, what did all in look like for them? And we're going to dive into it. And I believe it's going to encourage you. I think it's going to strengthen your faith to take some steps out of the boat, right? Because I, you know, I don't know about you, but I don't want to be a dry boat talker. I'd, better, I'd rather be a wet water walker than a dry boat talker, baby, okay? I'd rather, it's okay to get a little wet if I'm taking steps of faith. I'm going to fall a few times, but the Lord's going to help me back up, right? And so I'd rather live that life rather than just sit on the shores and be like, man, I wonder what it's like over there. I wonder what it would be like if we did X, Y, Z. I wonder what it would be like if we really went all in. And so we're going to dive into that series. Um, But Matthew 10, verse 39, Jesus made this statement. He says, whoever finds their life will lose it. And whoever loses their life for my sake will find it. And it's kind of like when you go to the beach And you pick up a big scoop of sand, and it just kind of goes through your fingers. And we take the kids sometimes, and, you know, my wife, she's got one of those metal detector things. Has anybody ever done that? I'm like, you people, who are you? There's a better way to make money than scanning the beach for somebody that lost their Rolex or two cents. You know what I mean? But treasures, my wife says, it's treasure hunting. She's a treasure hunter of the finest, of the purest. My wife is a real treasure hunter. But she'll go to the beach and we'll do that, right? And you take that and you're like, beep, 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 right? You know, going, and then, you know, you scoop it up and you throw it into one of those buckets that has all the holes in it to strain it, right? Or whatever. There's probably a much better official term for it, but y'all know what I'm talking about. And so, sifter, thank you. And so, yeah, thank you. You'll begin to sift it. And so the sand comes out and then you see, Oh, wow, look at what we got. You know, like, you know, somebody's 
you know, soda pop, soda pop can lid or, you know, beer, you know, whatever. And so they're like, great, awesome, you know, don't step on that. It's sharp, you know. And so you sift through it, you're, you're, you're looking for it. Well, Jesus is kind of like, you know, it's kind of like that. Like you, you think you got something and it's just going to slip through your hands. I, I, th- I, think I, I think I got the corner on life. I think I got it figured out. I'm doing this. I got my 10-year plan. Anybody that nowadays that tells me they got a five-year plan or a 10-year plan, I'm like, <laughs> that's a good one. <laughs> we all did, <laughs> you know. I'm not saying don't plan. Hey, plan. But there's times where God has a way of just kind of like interrupting and he just reminds you, yo, I'm driving. I know you thought you were driving. <laughs> that's great. But it's kind of like there's a picture going around and there's two people driving. One person is uh, in the political scene, and he looks like he's in the driving seat, but there's somebody over in the passenger seat driving. It's like, ah, uh, that guy's really, you know, Jesus is really driving your car, okay? He's really driving your life. He's really going to order your steps if you let him. So what's the one thing? What's the one thing? What's the one thing that you have? What's that one thing that if, if it were out of your life that it would actually free you up? And it's not that that one thing is bad. Jesus said, hey, that one thing I'm going to show you how to use that one thing for good. Distribute to the poor. I'm going to, I'm going to take that one thing that you're holding on to, that you haven't given to. When you release it to God, it's amazing how he goes, thank you. I can use that one thing because there's purpose that I've placed on your life with that one thing. I've placed that in your hands, and I'm helping you with stewardship, not ownership. And there's a difference. A lot of the people think we own this stuff in life. We're stewards. That's it. As the senior pastor, founding lead pastor of Authentic Church, I recognize every week when I got to get up here, Jesus, this is your church, all right? And if you don't show up, we're toast, okay? So I recognize this is his church. This isn't my church. This isn't Fawn's church. This, is, this, is, this isn't even your church. It's our church, but it's his church. He is the head. And everything we have in life is his. So when somebody says, hey, cool hat, like there was a guy I went to a, a barbecue for a, a, a person for their birthday last night. My wife and I were there, and there's a guy that commented he really liked the hat I was wearing. And so I looked at him and kind of figured out, and you know, and it's a snapback hat, so it'd be able to fit. So I'm going to hook up with the guy this week, and I'm going to give him the hat because he really liked the hat, and I know you can't get it anywhere else because I've looked to try to get it in other colors. But, you know, when you give something to somebody, like generosity isn't giving you my old ugly hat that I don't want to wear anymore. That's not really generosity, man. That's, uh, hey, you're saving me a trip to the Goodwill today, Okay. <laughs> Generosity is like when you say, man, I really, I, re- I really like that hat. It's like, great. I remember when somebody, they commented on our car, and they're like, man, it must be so nice to have two cars. I'm like, yeah, it is. <laughs> and then we found out their story, and it was a husband and wife, and they had a child that was born with some complications, and that child passed away. And the husband's working long hours, and he needs a car because of his commute. And the wife, they kind of lived up and away from a lot of people in church, so she couldn't really get out and go anywhere. And my wife and I went home. <laughs> and you know that voice. You can't, you can't get him out of your head. You're like, no, 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 no. The Lord's like, hi. <laughs> you know that car that you have? <laughs> yes. <laughs> you know? I want you to give it. Give it to that mom. And so I brought it up to my wife, and we said, yeah. And so we contacted them, and handily, I'm like, you know what? I can ride the bus. I, I thought I'd ride the bus, and uh, we'd buy another car, but no, nope. We ended up riding that bus for a long time. <laughs> we, I did, you know? But that's where she was at. And then time would go on. Years go down the road. Somebody gave us a car. Praise God, you know? It's just when you, when you look at it, it's, it's not... It's not ours. It's not ours. And I just want to encourage you today, what's that one thing that you have that, man, if you placed it into his hands, he could take it and he could multiply it. (laughs) And you don't know how it's going to come back to you. And it's not like some people have this, um, I'll just call it what it is, a really bad doctrine uh, when it comes to the law of sowing and reaping. It's a law of sowing and reaping, but some people, they got off they got off on this weird deal and this crazy prosperity gospel thing. And, you know, it's like, hey, here's, here's the prosperity gospel in a nutshell. Jesus saved you from the pits of hell. Everything else is a cherry on top. Okay, the prosperity gospel is you were, 
destined for hell, but he saved you and he set you on a path for heaven. That's all the prosperity we need in this life and the life to come. Anything else is a cherry on top. But some people got off on it and they're like, you know, blab it and grab it, lay hands on a Cadillac and all that kind of stuff. And it's like, I'm, I'm in for believing God for big things. I'm in for having goals. Um, my wife and I, we drive a big SUV that we bought with money from our construction company that we developed that God supernaturally blessed. And that, that vehicle was on a vision board that I had on my wall for a couple years before we got it. I knew exactly what I wanted. I knew the options. I had a big family, and we may be growing. And so I knew that I wanted to have something that could seat six to eight people because I needed six to eight butts to be able to fit into the vehicle, okay? <laughs> so I'm not saying none of that stuff is bad when you use it for the kingdom of God. So what is the one thing? Even right now as I'm talking, I just, I just feel like the Holy Spirit's already been moving throughout this room, <laughs> and you got the one thing. And that's the one thing I want you to lay it down. That's the one thing I want you to lay it down. That's the one thing I want you to place in my hands. I feel like the Lord's speaking that to you this morning. What's the one thing? The Bible's clear that if you love the world, the love of the Father cannot reside in you. And money, as Jason and Nicole shared this morning, is simply a test of our commitment and our love for God. Being a disciple is that we manage, we steward things. So this rich, young ruler, so he was rich. So I'm going to break it down, rich, young, and ruler. We're going, to, we're going to dive into a few of these things. So he was rich. He was wealthy based on the world standard. He, he, he had uh, what we all desire to have at some point in our life, and that's rich people problems. You know, like you ever hear somebody that's wealthy, you know, like, you know, crying on, on an interview. Like I remember watching something with Mike Tyson, and, and he was at like the height of his career, and he just made like, $15 million off of a fight or something. He's like, you just don't know how hard it is to have this kind of money. The pressure that it brings. I'm like, I want that pressure, bro. <laughs> Rich people problems, you know. It's like, I'll take that problem, <laughs> right? But there's, there's problems in area, every area. But the, the, his wealth, the rich, it was the level of security that he had in his life. What's your security blanket? You know, as kids, we have security blankets, right? We just like the feeling of that blanket, that thing. Our, our kids had their own little blankets, and my daughter, who's sitting here in the front row, Juliana, she had this pink blanket, and she would have it, and she would always keep it like this because she, she didn't want you to see what she was doing under that blanket where she was sucking her fingers because we were like, Juju, stop sucking your fingers. Your teeth are going to stick out, you know? You know? I don't know, but that's just what we told her because other parents told their kids that. So, like, stop sucking your fingers, right? And she's like, uh-huh. Are you sucking your fingers, Juju? She's like, no, I'm not talking about it. And then something would happen to the blanket where, like, it would get torn, and, and like, you know, it was like the end of the world. Like, you know, it was like, oh, and then it got down, and, and then it was like torn, and then it got torn a little bit more, and literally got down to about like the size of a hanky, <laughs> and that was all that was left. And and she she would grab it and just, uh, it just I still smell this. This has the smell, Dad. <laughs> you know. <laughs> The security blanket. What's that thing where you're just like, I'll give, you know, it's like we come to church or we come to an event. Like, you know, I remember doing youth events, you know, when I was a youth pastor years ago, gosh, like 20 years ago. And you're like, I give my life to Jesus. I give everything to you, Lord. You're the Lord of my life. You're the king of all. You know, you say these really dramatic prayers, right? And then suddenly you're like new King James in it. You know, you're just like, thou you are. You're so great and awesome and mighty. And I give you everything, right? And he goes, I don't want everything, but I want that one thing. And you're like, oh, that's my one thing. What's the one thing? What's that thing? What's that security blanket that you're holding on to? So the rich, the young, his age, it was noticeable to everybody around him that this guy's younger than a lot of people, and there's something special on his life. Clearly, we can see that. But they looked at him. He was young. He was a young man. And the, the age is just an age. Age is just a number, right, Aaliyah? Age is, is nothing but a number. And, and so that was the season of life that he was in. And some people use it as an excuse, well, I'm too young. And then I meet people and they're like, well, I'm too old. And the truth is, that's just an excuse, man. We need everybody in the army of God, that there are things that God wants to do in and through you, no matter what stage of life you're in. If you hold on to it as a crutch, it can either be the crutch that you're leaning on and the excuse that you're making, 
or it can be the reason, right? You can lean on it, or you can use it, and it can be an incredible tool. So he was young. It was, it was his season of life. It was his life experience. And so I encourage you, wherever you're at, don't use that as an excuse. I remember when, when my wife and I were dating, it was like, oh, man, well, we're dating right now. Life's kind of busy. When we get married, you know, then, then we'll start getting involved, and we'll do whatever in church. And then we'll have people over to our house, and we'll open our time. You know, and then you're married, and you're like, man, we kind of like just being married and not having other humans around us, right? Because you're in the marriage cave for the first year of your life, right? Marriage cave. Shout out to our friends Julian and Starla that uh, got married yesterday out in Kansas from the church. So if you're watching this, Julian and Starla, we love you. Uh, but at the first year, you're kind of going into the marriage cave, and you're like, oh, man, after the first year, then, then, then I'll do it, you know? And, and, and then it's like, oh, whoops, you're pregnant. Oh, man, now we got kids, so I don't know how we're going to do it. And it's like, well, you know, once we get it, once, once we have the baby, and then, you know, then we'll do it, right? And then you have the baby, and then it's kind of like, well, you know, once they get out of diapers, and then you have another one, and now you got two in diapers, and it's like, you're, you're like full court press, man. You know, it's like, you know, and then you have a third and a fourth, and I can't even keep track, keep track of how many kids I have anymore. You know, it's like people like, last night they were like, you guys have five kids? I'm like, yeah. They're like, man, you must really like kids. I said, well, I really like my wife. <laughs> kids is, anyways. So, so what's, what's that? What's that one thing? Men, stay with me. Go, don't go to the one thing, men. Men, don't go to the one thing. Stay here, stay here, stay here. <laughs> so he was young. It was his life experience, level of experience. I'm telling you, we need everybody. We need everybody. If you are a Bible-believing Bible Christian, I'm telling you, we need you. The harvest is here. The laborers are few. God's calling you. He's enlisting you. You've been summoned. You've received the summons from the king, and he's saying, it's time to come in. It's time to come in. He's calling us. I had a, a, a prayer time with the worship team on Wednesday night. So every Wednesday night, the prayer team comes into this chapel. Uh, the worship team gathers, and, we, and we, we worship and we pray, and we, we'll, we'll practice some of the songs so that uh, there's a little bit of an organization for whatever we're singing on a Sunday morning, which hopefully you're the benef you get to benefit from. And, uh, but before we practice anything, we just time, had a time of prayer and worship. And so we're worshiping and we're praying and Kara gets a word and she's typing as fast. Uh, I didn't know if she was texting a friend instead of praying, but she was really writing down what the Lord had said, said to her. <laughs> I'm just kidding. And so, uh, so she, she, she's getting a, a download and I'm just, you know, walking around with my guitar worshiping and Justin's on the piano and, and we're just praying and just worshiping. And as I did, um, I kind of had this picture-in-picture -picture moment. The only way I can explain it is kind of like picture-in-picture. -picture. Like, if you ever watch sports games on TV and you're like, okay, pause this game. I want to also pull up this game, and you have them two at the same time. That's kind of what, what happened. And, and I just kind of like turned with my guitar, and I looked. And as I did, it was just like a split second. This whole place was just packed with people, like packed in. I mean, like not, not a gap between the shoulders, packed in. And the doors are open on the sides, and people are spilling, spilling out all over the place. And there's people just at, up in the balcony. And you can't, the balcony, the way that it is in this balcony, because of a certain height of the balcony, you can't actually, you can't sit down up there. So if you're going to be in the balcony, you have to stand up to be able to see over. And it was just packed with people. It was just like a flood of people, and there was just healings that were happening, and it was just like this person was getting healed, and that person was getting healed, and it, I, I, it was literally, it was just like that, and I saw it, and then it was gone, and I'm like, that's, I believe that's the heart of the Lord, and what he wants to do in this place, and what he wants to do through you guys, through all of us together. Everybody is needed, so don't make your season of life, your age, Whatever's going on, job, no job, that didn't hold Jason and Nicole back from jumping in and getting involved. It could have held a lot of people back. It has held a lot of people back because it feels like when you're going through stuff or you're dealing with certain things outside of this room, sometimes it feels like it's hard to just come in, but it's amazing when you come into the room despite what's going on outside of the room and you begin to serve, you begin to love on people, and you begin to carry that, that, that heart that God has for somebody else, and you start to it's serve and give out, it's like you end up getting and receiving more than you gave. 
you end up becoming the one that's the most blessed. So don't utilize whatever the one thing is as an excuse. Use it as a reason. And then the rich young ruler. So he's a ruler. So he had a level of authority, noticeable of authority. He had a level of leadership influence. And I think for him, that might, he might have found his identity. You ever found your identity in what you did? Man, I remember when I was younger, I, I found my identity in leading worship. And then I was told, hey, uh, we don't want you to lead worship anymore. We just want you to go and minister to the youth. And I was like, I kind of hurt because my identity was in leading worship, and I loved it. But then it was kind of taken from me. <laughs> and it was a real test of, are you doing it for you? Or are you doing it for him? And whatever you do, whatever your thing is, are you doing it for him and his glory? Or for yours? And in leadership, there's what we call permissible and positional. <laughs> positional is you're a leader and I recognize you as a level of authority, but only because of the title that you have. That's positional leadership, okay? Which is really lacking in leadership, but that's a, that's a title of it in organizational development. You'll learn about a positional leader versus a permissible leader. A permissible leader is one that you've given permission to speak into your life. And we all need somebody that can speak into our lives. Um, everybody needs a pastor. Whether I'm your pastor or not, that's for you to decide. I can't tell anybody I'm your pastor. <laughs> you know, that's, that's something that any pastor I've ever had in my life was somebody where I said, hey, I, I want you to be my pastor. But I'm telling you, every one of us, we all need a pastor. Uh, your pastor <laughs> needs a pastor and has a pastor. Praise God. We all need a pastor. And you will all, in some way, shape, or form, pastor somebody, have the potential to pastor somebody in your life when you lay down that one thing, when you use that one thing and don't let it use you. So let's, let's, let's not allow something to be a crutch but be a catalyst, amen? So Jesus, it says actually in Mark's gospel, records the same story. Remember we talked about the synoptic gospels. So the first three, Matthew, Mark, and Luke, they're synoptic, right? So uh, they're, they're telling the same story. In Mark's, actually makes a statement before Jesus uh, sees the young man go, Jesus looks at him and it says, Jesus looked at him and he loved him. Even when he was walking away, Jesus loves you. Even when you've walked away. You know, my goal is never to have, have anybody feel built, beat up at all or feel like, oh man, I missed it, I whiffed, blah, blah, blah. I, I never want that feeling. I don't like it when people treat me like that. I want you to come in here and be built up. But as a pastor, it's, my, it's also my job uh, to teach and preach the word of God, which sometimes might rub people wrong. And if, and if, and if the word of God is pointing out one thing in your life, I'm just going to let the word of God speak to that. But as a pastor, in love, it's good when you have somebody that says, hey, let me pass, let, will you pastor me? And the pastor responds yes, and then the pastor begins to pastor them. Then you really see if they wanted to be pastored or not. <laughs> Does that make sense? I could say, hey, I really want you as my pastor all day long, and then you tell me to do something I don't want to do, or you challenge me in a way in the word of God that's not the way that I'm living, and so it's speaking to my lifestyle. My lifestyle is that, well, that's my one thing. <laughs> Why are you pointing my one thing? You trying to judge me? No, the pastor's not trying to judge you. <laughs> in fact, he loves you. She loves you. They're just trying to encourage you so that that one thing doesn't become the reason that you walk away from Jesus. That that one thing you end up being able to get over so you can walk closer with Jesus. What's the one thing? So what is that for you? I, I want to encourage you to go all in. Next week we're going to start this series all in. And, uh, and it's, it's going to be a strong call. Uh, if you don't want to be challenged... If you kind of want to live basic Christianity and kind of like just come to church, sing a few songs and go, uh, you're probably not going to like the next four weeks of church. I'm just going to be honest with you. <laughs> I unapologetically am telling you that up front. So if I don't see you until August, have an awesome July. <laughs> <laughs> 
No, but we need to be challenged. And I'm telling you, I've been, I've been challenged, okay? It's not like I'm sharing anything that the Lord hasn't first cut my heart first, okay? So I, I don't read the word of God to go get a message and preach a message. Like, I'm not that guy. I'm really, like, reading the word of God on a daily basis, spending time with God on a daily basis. And as I spend time with him, he begins to cut me in different areas and says, hey, son, we need to work on this. It's like, ouch. Hey, son, you know how you're going to talk about that one thing? Hey, what about this one thing? Say, Lord, can we talk about this next week? <laughs> and he's a good dad, and he's like, nope. <laughs> You're not going to do anything else today, but we're going to talk about this one thing. So for us, when we talk about going all in, what's the next step? What's that one thing for you? You know, next week we're going to have baptisms on Father's Day. Come on. We have some guys. I, I know a few people are already getting ba- are signed up to be baptized. So just show of hands there, my buddy Bernard. Anybody else? Come on. If you're signing up to get baptized, I just want to encourage you with this scripture. It's in Acts 2.38. You know, baptism, first off, baptism is a practice of every believer that's been happening for 2,000 years. Okay? Um, baptism, uh, it's not about the water. It's not, you know, like I was raised as a good Catholic boy, and you, when you walk into the Catholic church, they would have a dish of holy water. And you would put your finger and you'd do the sign of the cross, right? And so I was a good Catholic. My uncle was a priest, okay? So, so we, we followed everything in the Catholic religion to a T, man, growing up. And so, you know, you do that and you come in. There's nothing necessarily holy about the water, but it is a holy moment, okay? Baptism, if you take a look at it, baptism was actually reserved for those that had the capacity to make a choice of right or wrong. So even though my parents quote-unquote, baptized me as a kid and poured water on me, it was just like a water ritual. It actually, there was, there was nothing that stuck. It was really more of a dedication than anything else. It was, it was misnamed baptism. Uh, it was more of a dedication, baby dedication. But the baptism was when I could view I have sin in my life and I'm repenting of that. So it was always the response, right? of what God was showing, and then I was turning away. So what does it mean to, be, what does it mean to repent? That's like a, a big Christian Bible term. What does that mean? Repent, right? To repent, this is just a simple picture, okay? Before I knew Jesus, he was over here, and I'm walking with my back turned towards him, and he's like chasing me down because <laughs> he loves me so much, just like he chased you down, okay, because he loves you so much. So here's Jesus, and I have my back turned towards him, and I'm facing towards sin, and I'm just kind of going along, and I'm walking with this sin a little bit, and then I'm walking with this sin a little bit or whatever. And Jesus is behind me. Well, then when I, when I accepted Christ into my life, I turned my back on sin, and now I'm walking towards Jesus, and I'm walking away from that stuff. It doesn't mean that you never sin anymore just because you've accepted Jesus, although that would be awesome. Um, but it means that, you know what, even when I fall, I'm going to get back up. The righteous fall seven times. He helps you back up. But I'm walking in the mercy and the grace and the love of Christ, but I'm walking, I'm turned towards him. And so I've repented. And so when we're baptized, it's basically like I was going along, Jesus got a hold of me, and now I'm making a bold public declaration that, hey, I'm walking away from some things in my life that used to hold me down. I'm walking away from that one thing, whatever that one thing was, right? I'm walking away from that sin, that lifestyle, whatever. And maybe it's more than one thing. Maybe you're sitting here, you're like, Jeff, it ain't one. It's like one, I lost count. I don't have enough fingers and toes, right? Whatever that is, all right? God does amazing works in all of our lives. And so it's like I'm turning away from that thing, and now I'm walking with my face turned towards God, not my face turned towards my sin. Does that make sense? So Peter gets up in Acts chapter 2, and he shares this message. He gets up, and they're like, well, what do, we do, what do we need to do to be saved? He shares this message about Jesus, and they're like, all right, Team Jesus, we're in. What do we do? And Peter's like, all right, this is what you need to do. You need to repent so that you're walking this way. He's saying, you can't walk that way anymore. Repent, and then be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins. And then you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. That promise is for you and your children and for all who are far off, for all whom the Lord our God will call. So we will baptize the young and the old. Somebody said, can, can children be baptized? 
Yes, if they have a knowledge of right and wrong, if they have a knowledge of what sin is, the fact that sin separates us from God, that God wants to have a relationship with us, but it's hard to have a relationship with us when we have sin in our life that's you know, kind of like keeping a wall up. And so we're saying, hey, I, I'm no longer gonna be walking towards sin. I'm turning away from that. So even the young people that wanna be baptized are gonna be baptized. So to turn away. So for all of you that want to be baptized or you're hearing this message today and you're saying, man, I feel like I need to be baptized. Maybe you were baptized like me with well-meaning parents as a baby as they dumped water on you, like a water ritual. <laughs> you know, maybe you were like me and that never really didn't carry any weight. And you're saying, you know what, I actually, God's doing something new in my heart, in my mind. I actually want to give my life to Jesus and I want to be baptized. If that's you... Come next week. We got a T-shirt for you. You can come and bring bring a pair of change of clothes, a pair of shorts, and a towel. But we have a T-shirt, a dark T-shirt for you from Authentic Church. It's kind of like, hey, congratulations on being baptized. We would be so honored to baptize you on Father's Day next week. Or maybe you're here, and this is all new to you. Maybe you're walking into this room, and like the whole Christian thing and church and everything is so new to you. Like people are singing and they're excited about God, that's bizarre, right? You know, some would say, well, that's, that's a little different. Yeah, I know what that's like. Having been a Catholic, walking into a building like this, I would have felt comfortable until the music started. <laughs> and then I would have been like, and I'm out, you know? But there was something about the worship that actually drew me in. Something about people that were passionate about God that sang like somebody had a, that like they had a reason to sing. Because you do. I can get excited about a lot of things in life. But man, when you get excited about the creator of the universe, man, that's worth praising. That's worth lifting our voice. That's worth shouting about. That's worth clapping. That's worth dancing. That's worth singing. So if you're here and it's a little bit new to you, I just want to encourage you, come back. God will do a work in you like he did in all of us. And when you read through the scriptures, everything that we do here at Authentic Church we like to say it this way, we're a Bible-based, spirit-empowered, presence-driven church. Everything to do is based on the Bible. If you have questions about it, I'd be honored to answer your questions about it, but it's based on the Bible. We're spirit-empowered church because we believe in the gifts and the empowerment of the Holy Spirit. When Jesus took his place at the right hand of the Father, the Holy Spirit was released to take his place in the life of the believer. And just like we read, the Holy Spirit's for all of us for your children, for you, and for anybody that's far off from God. The Holy Spirit is here for us. And so we believe in the empowerment of the Holy Spirit. And we're presence-driven in the fact that we don't want to be led by the programs of man, but by the presence of God. So we don't want to be formulaic in how we do what we do or how we gather. We want freedom. We want the presence of God to show up and do something new. And that's why we give a little bit of extra time and let it, man, let it linger. If we're feeling like we're going to sing this song another ten times, we're going to sing that song another ten times, you know. But we long for the presence of God at every single one of our gatherings. Because when you encounter the presence of God, your life is changed. So we long for that. So I want to close with this. What's the one thing that the Holy Spirit's speaking to you about this morning? I'm going to have the band come up and we're going to end with this song. But what's that one thing? What's the one thing? And maybe you, you have it in your mind. What's the one thing that's holding you back? What's the one thing that God has placed in your hands to use for his glory, but maybe you've been holding on to it? He just is saying, I want you to release it. Maybe it's a plan. Maybe it's a dream. Maybe it's a career. Maybe it's a relationship. One thing about God, he does not do well with second place. <laughs> he wants to be first in all of our lives. All of our lives. If he's not Lord over all, he's not Lord at all. He really is the King of Kings. Jesus really lived on this earth 2,000 years ago. He really walked around. He really had a group of guys that followed him that he trained and led. And he really encountered a rich young ruler who had a lot going on. And he really did challenge him and say, well, there's one thing that you're still lacking. Come and follow me. Take everything you have, all the blessings that God's given you, distribute it to those around you, and then come follow me. And Jesus was so sad when he couldn't make that commitment. This morning, I want to give you an opportunity to make a commitment to Christ. Maybe you've received Jesus before, 
But you're like, you know what, I want to make a fresh commitment. I want to pray that prayer. Man, I want to, I want to get my heart right. I want to take the next steps, whatever that next step is. I want to be baptized. I know God's doing something new in my life. I want to be part of it. I want to be part of what God's doing here at Authentic Church. I want to be part of the people that are going to be gathering here on Sundays and Wednesdays and worshiping and praying and the healings and the miracles and everything that's going to take. I want to be part of that. God's not necessarily calling you to join a church. He's calling you to join, join Jesus. He's calling you into relationship with Him. But part of having a relationship with Him is having a relationship with the other believers. And maybe you're here today and it's like, man, I've been burned by the church. I don't know if I want to commit to anything. I'll kind of come slide in when I slide in and I'll slide out when I slide out. Hey, that's cool. You're always welcome here. Everybody's always welcome. I was like that. When I first came to church, I was kind of the slide in, slide out guy. Worship freaked me out, but I liked that pastor guy that preached, so I came about 45 minutes into the service because I knew that's when he'd get up and give his, his talk. <laughs> so I would just come for that. And then God would get a hold of my heart. And then the one thing that drove me crazy was the one thing that he drew me to, which was worship. So we're going to have a time of worship this morning. Holy Spirit, speak to us. What's the one thing? What's the one thing, Lord? How we lay it down at your feet this morning. We make a fresh commitment to you. I'm going to lead us in a prayer of salvation. If you need to give your life to Jesus this morning, if you need to get right with God, it just begins with a simple decision and a prayer in your heart. And that's what starts the journey. But it's not just pray a prayer and go away. It's pray a prayer and become a disciple of his. Somebody said, why, why do you, uh, it's a good question this week, why do you pray this prayer the same way every week? Um, my answer to that is muscle memory. <laughs> because I wanted this prayer to be so simple and that we do it together as a church family that when you have that moment where somebody you meet gives their life to Jesus, you have it down because we've said it every Sunday here at Authentic Church. So we're going to say that this morning. So if you could just stand with me, we'll stand together. You don't have to stand alone here at Authentic. We'll stand with you. We're just going to recite this prayer, but we're not just reciting it. We're praying it from our hearts today. And I just want you to repeat it after me if you would. Jesus, I need you. I need your forgiveness. Come into my life today. I believe that you are the Son of God, that you lived, died, and rose again, that I might have eternal life. I receive you now as my Lord and Savior. Come into my heart. Wash me. Cleanse me. Fill me. Use me. Let me never be the same again. Fill me with your Holy Spirit. From this day forward, I will walk in your ways all the days of my life and dwell in your house forever. Thank you, Jesus, for saving me, loving me, forgiving me. Amen. 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 Kara is going to lead us in worship. We're going to have a time of prayer. I'm going to have the prayer team come up just at the, the front sides here. And if you need prayer for anything today, if the Lord's speaking to you and you're feeling it in your heart, we just want to invite you to come up. We just want to pray for you. We're going to join with you. Maybe you're in a situation where you're like, you know what? I'm actually good. My life is great. I feel like things are in order. I have been baptized. I'm good with God. But man, I really need some breakthrough in my finances. I need to see a job opportunity like we heard about today. We want to pray for you for a job. Maybe your marriage is just like, man, we could use some life in our marriage. If you could pray in, in agreement for our marriage. We'd want to pray. We've all gone through stuff in marriage, man. Maybe you're here today and you need healing in your body. I can tell you how many people have been healed in this church. Kara, who's leading us in the song of worship, when she first came to the church, she got healed from this thyroid problem. God healed her. People receive healing every single week. Why? Not because anybody in here is great, because God is. And he loves you so much. And we'd be honored to join hands with you and pray for you for healing. Maybe you're a young family and you're hoping to have kids. I'm telling you, I know somebody that's got an anointing for having kids. We would be honored to pray for you. That God would open things up. 
Every child's a miracle, and we'd be honored to pray for you for that. Whatever it is, whatever you need prayer for this morning, we want to pray for you. For more information on Authentic Church, visit us online at AuthenticOC.com.